Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. So welcome, and today we have a gentleman who's both Canadian and American, so he's bilingual, he speaks both languages, which is really neat. His name is Vern Hindman, and he's from Heart Forge. So welcome, Vern. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, bilingual. I lived in Texas for a while. You would say, uh, y'all, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's terrific. So first of all, tell me about your education. Where did you go to school? So my my undergrad was at Mohawk College in Hamilton, Ontario. I did a cooperative program in computer engineering in the early 80s, right when computers were recently invented. At least single chip micros were recently invented. Um, so I started there. Uh, I did it was cooperative. So I worked at um, at a very fortunate time working at um, St. Joe's Hospital in uh, Hamilton. I had some mentors there: Bob Massacre, Chris Chavez. These people that uh, really mentored me in in more than just technical skills. It was an incredible education. I would recommend it to anybody. Uh, more recently, uh, I spent uh, 20 years, my first career as a biomedical engineer in medical research. I worked at UT Southwest in Dallas. Um, and then as a, uh, when the internet started, uh, we, as medical researchers, we were on the internet before the browser. And uh, so when the internet started, I started an IT company. But more recently, I did a master's in entrepreneurial ministry at Tabor College uh, with Rick out there. Um, I don't think I turned in one assignment that I had not previously done. And uh, uh, subsequent to that, I'm doing a doctorate in semiotics at George Fox University or Leonard Sweet. Okay. So during all this time period in both Canada and the U.S., tell me about your work experiences. Wow, yes. Uh, So... um, the cooperative part at Ham- in Hamilton uh, at St. Joe's was really, really helpful because they helped me integrate technology with humans and uh, helped me to not, not lose the human aspect of how do we do this stuff. Um, in Dallas, as an entrepreneur, I, I was um, building net- computer networks when they were very young. I was building these computer networks for the back ends of small businesses. So I got to know every kind of business you could possibly imagine all over the map. And the idea is I would take business processes from one business and suggest them to another. And they thought I was a genius, you know, because, uh, and so there's a cross-semination that happened during that epoch of my my, uh, time. And then as a nonprofit guy, I start to realize that the, the, the genius of serving people effectively is to find compatriots, is to find people that are already doing something in the realm. doesn't even have to be nonprofit, but to collaborate and use the trajectories of other people together and, and, and to move those things together. Okay, so tell me about your master's. Let's go back a step. This oh, is a, yeah. a slightly different master's than an MBA. Yes, yes. Although there is some overlap, I believe um, the focus uh, the focus of that uh, the entrepreneurial ministry is to say 
how do we how do we bring resources and people together to actually meet the root needs of the world of other people how do we do that which is more than solving their problems it's maybe a better way to say it is how do we set the world up for success how do we how do we uh, create contexts in which other people thrive and ourselves i mean just how do we make uh, uh, contexts that are not only going to meet the spiritual needs of people but also meet the other needs in my doc in my doctoral work i'm working on something called spire spiritual uh physical intellectual re relational uh, and emotional, these other areas of humanity, they all have to grow at the same time or we're not really maturing. So the idea of that masters is how do we meet all of these needs simultaneously and set other people up for success, which often means not doing it for them. Often it means creating a context in which their success and their growth will be natural. So now we get to this organization that you started called Heart Forge. Yes. How did you get, come up with that name? I realized that underneath, you know, if I had to pick the single, the single most dangerous thing to our society, things that, the thing that is, mo is, is setting us up for failure, underneath of it all is a loss of heart underneath of it all if if you lose heart you lose everything and so the idea is um if i want to be an entrepreneur if i want to if i want to change the world i love apple's idea let's let's put a dent in the universe if i want to change the world the first thing i have to do is help fathers find heart again and if fathers find heart then children will find heart so what does the Business do or the or the nonprofit do. So uh, I realized taking a um, taking a, a a guy to marriage therapy is like taking him to be neutered. Generally, you're going to pay 125 bucks an hour to a therapist who's going to tell you the same thing your wife's been telling you for 10 or 15 years, and uh, it's just not pleasant at the beginning. So. My, uh, what I do is I do an intervention. I do this, this intervention piece that doesn't generally last longer than three months. And when a guy has experienced this, I, I work with women as well, but it's primarily men. Um, when a guy's experienced this, at the end of it, he's happy to go to marriage therapy. It's, you know, it's uh, um, one of the very first tools we give him is how not to be defensive. And um, so rather than trying to, fix people or tell them what's wrong with their life. I, we have an 80-20 rule. 80% uh, of the time, we're looking at what's right, and 20% of the time, we'll look at what are the corrective actions. But uh, we want to look at what's right, what what resources we have, what's right, and how do we move into a good future with that. So instead of fixing people, I have a metaphor, uh, which is we're going to facilitate people with tools. We're going to give them tools. And if you have all the tools you need, you know, we, um, we say we have a – our, our, we get our emotional toolkit. Men get their emotional toolkit from their fathers. And we open our toolkit, and we got a crescent wrench and a hammer. And somehow we got to stay married and be dads, and you know it just doesn't work. We don't have enough tools. You got you're trying to fix a Maserati with a crescent wrench and a hammer. You're going to make a mess. So, are you doing this by yourself, or do you have other people working with you? 
Well, of course, I have a board, um, and I, I, I try to collaborate. So I have a, I have a plan that I'm going to um, make a much to replicate, but I have not gotten to the replication stage yet. Although I give what I have away to the best of my ability. When you buy a red Corvette, you notice how many red Corvettes are on the on the road. You know, it's a, um, the, you get a, a confirmation bias. And since I've been doing this, I've been looking for other people who do what I do, and I have not found – I'm not finding people doing what I'm doing. Um, it is different than counseling. It is uh, inverted to counseling, and it complements counseling. So if I do my job very well – then the people who experience what I do will join at the end with multiple other forms. Uh, they might get a psychotherapist at the end. They probably reconnect uh, with faith, a faith community differently. They will, um, and they'll often uh, experience sometimes uh, uh, medical and non-medical um, the diet change, exercise change, lots of changes, and lots of experts on the on the, uh, the other end. So. Most of when you say, do I, do, am I doing it with multiple people? Yes, for sure, in terms of um, symbiotic relationship with other professionals, but I've not replicated at this point. And part of replicating is a, you have to find the person with the right calling, the right orientation. And, and, um, and to be honest, to do this, you have to be a very broken person. Uh, you, can't, you can't have it all wired. <laughs> So what you need to do is run a training program to uh, to build in people who can learn what you're doing. I mean, yes, that's one option. The other option, of course, is 3D printing <laughs> of yourself so you can uh, replicate yourself. Oh, there's plenty of me already. <laughs> Okay. We're good. <laughs> All right. So in terms of partnerships, you talked a little bit about this. Tell us about the importance of partnerships. Yes, it's not only partnerships, but symbiotic relationships. I want to tell you a quick story of an initiative, but it's not it's not the initiative, it's not the endpoint of the initiative that I'm, I'm interested in talking about. It's the symbiotic nature of putting this thing together. Um, my wife and I uh, were working, um, helping folks in addictions in the local prison for a number of years. And we noticed on the, her side, the women, we'd work with them. They had gotten a DUI. They're in prison. They're, uh, they lost their kids. You know, state took the kids. And so they get out, and we work with them on their sobriety, and we work with them on getting their kids back, which took usually a year or two to get them back. And something – I just noticed this pattern that would happen. They, uh, they'd be doing fine, sobriety fine, kids fine, and the, they would have water in their antifreeze because they didn't know any better, and a first heavy freeze – the rad would freeze, and they'd have a $1,000 bill to fix their car. And when their car would not work, they would hook up with a guy who was not good for them but who had a car. And so they would start these relationships were unhelpful based on their lack of uh, – their, their, their transportation was part of their self-differentiation. So I, I paid attention to that, and I was going to a church at the time, and I said I, I gave them this idea, and they, they were really not that interested and then we planted a church, and we actually did it about 90 days later. But let me tell the idea. 
we would print up three and a half uh, uh, little postcards. It would say, bring your kids, bring your car, come to the food bank on a, sa- on a specific Saturday morning. We would give those cards to YWCA, YMCA, Department of Welfare, anybody that ran into single moms, we'd give them those cards. And so this Saturday morning early, we'd get 30 cars. The very first year, we got 30 cars. We wanted them to have to wait. So they get there, they park their car, they have to come in. We would have a college, a, a group of college students detail the car. And then we would have a 50-point checklist of things that we go over that their car might need, including antifreeze, for instance. We had previously gone to the distributors of, of uh, car parts, and we had collected, uh, you know, somewhere over $10,000 in free parts from these people that ran these businesses that also had the, uh, a shared heart for uh, single moms. So it's free. All this stuff's free. Tires, pick, pick a number, whatever their car needed. And um, so we would be working on their car, make it as good as we could possibly make it. But the whole point is they would have to go inside and wait. And we had a professional, we'd have professional haircuts, professional manicurists, um, anything we could do to make them feel valued, beautiful, pick a number. And the whole point of their kids, we had stuff for their kids to do, we had face painting, we had literally, you know, people dedicated there to make their kids have a great time while they had to wait and we fed them. And it was not us working with them. We ate with them. This was a with, not for. And so the idea of them having to be inside is for a period of time, we wanted them to feel part of a community that was also caring for them. So the idea is to build this pleasant feeling of community that is often, often they're, they're being blamed for problems for getting calls from the school like literally single moms are the heroes of the world but they don't necessarily get the treatment of the heroes of the world and so we wanted to change that for a period of time there's one other population that is very difficult to get involved in community there's a bunch of men who would never come to a community event but if you call them up and say hey i heard you can turn a wrench and we got these uh Get these uh, the moms showing up on a Saturday. If you can come and help fix their cars, they're showing up. And so we have these single these these guys. Literally, they would never come to church. They would never uh, involve themselves in the community. And they work with us for the entire day. Um, so we did that the very first year. After a couple of years, the original church kind of took it over. But um, the first year we had thirty cars. The second year we had sixty. And the woman who one of the women who was served the first year ran it the second year and the subsequent year. So eight years in, I, I, I go back and interview this lady and she said, I said, how did it turn out? And she goes, well, you know, the first year I was freshly divorced. I, I couldn't hardly make it in me. My car could barely make it in the parking lot. And he said the second year, I, it was so good to give back. And she goes, now it's been so many years. Uh, I became a Christian somewhere in the middle there. And now I'm mentoring five women, and my car doesn't need a blessed thing. <laughs> and it's that 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 story, that last little bit of the story, is so the um, is so the redemptive thing we're looking for. It's uh, empowering people to step into their calling and to have lives that not only have work and and income, but also have meaning around those things.
That uh, little story should be videotaped and put on your website. Yes. Yeah. By the way, one of the, the one of the part the partner that I had at the time moved to my hometown in Canada. If you can imagine that, Wellen uh, moves to Canada, and they started the same thing in uh, outside of Wellen. His his dad's a pastor now in um, Waynefleet, and I believe they do that in Waynefleet. If you can imagine, so the idea has spread. The one thing you can't, the one thing it's important not to miss, it's not about fixing the car. The car is important, and we are going to do a good job in the car. In fact, we were, eventually we'd have, uh, 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 we'd get collect cars over the year, and eventually we'd say, look, you can keep your car. It's not that great, but we have this better one for you. So eventually, sometimes we would actually give the cars away to people. But the idea is, if you miss the point of making people feel valued and part of the community, then you're just fixing cars, and anybody can do that. So, Vern, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Uh, in terms of Hard Forge and Vern, where are you going to be three years from today? Oh, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I kept bumping my head. I kept in growth. I kept feeling like I had limitations. So I'm, I'm just about 60. And um, a few years back, I decided I'm going to, I'm more interested in replicating the attitudes and the ideas of, of creating this than I am in specific ideas. So I went back and got a master's in my 50s, now a doctorate in my 50s. And in three years, if I'm not creating, um, if I'm not, if there aren't people who are now doing this because of my life, then I will have missed a good bit of my calling. I'm really interested. There are geese and golden eggs. Golden eggs are wonderful. You come up with an idea. The car winterization idea is a, is a, and this time of year is a really good time of year to think about. It. Don't think too hard. Just go do it. Do it imperfectly is not a problem. But the the idea is um, if I um, if I'm doing uh, if I'm if I'm doing what my calling is, I'm getting. Uh, releasing people and encouraging people who are going to actually create these subsequent um, initiatives that I couldn't even dream of. So I'm I'm looking now at the end of my career. I'm looking at golden ge at geese more than golden eggs. I want I want to invest in the leaders. I would say at Hartforge, probably fifty percent of the people I see are pastors. You want to talk about an isolating job, <laughs> you know? Uh, pastors, uh, wow. You know, what about your wife and kids? What do they think about what you're doing, or do they understand what you're doing? Oh, trust me, yes. So Shelley helped with the prison ministry. My wife just got her doctorate in uh, healthcare administration. She went to George Brown College in Toronto, and um, she um, about 20 years ago we switched roles. I I stayed home with the kids and did entrepreneurial stuff to the best of my ability, and she. Uh, continued on a career path so she has financed um some of the things that could not be done without external financing so it is a true partnership between me and her um she's very positive towards it all but she's also put real dollars 
and um and her life into what I do and she's uh, definitely a, a partner we've been we've been together for 40 years and married for 35 so she's she kind of gets me at this point and that's not easy is it no I'm not an easy person I don't think uh pleasant but not easy okay. <laughs> so Vern what is the website for HeartForge? HeartForge.com. Oh, that's very difficult. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly the website is not where it ought to be. Um, you know, the cobbler's kids never get what they need, and the, and the, the entre- inter- internet entrepreneur guy has the, you know, you'll see what you'll see. It's not uh, it's not ready for prime time really, but it's there. Yeah, I bet you could get students or. You know, maybe even a ten-year-old who could probably do it better than you exactly. and I can. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's exactly so right. That would make a difference. Well, Vern, I you find have... a symbiotic relationship for that. <laughs> Vern, you have a great story. You are a social entrepreneur. You may not realize it. You're definitely an innovator, and you're passionate about what you do. And that's what makes a difference. So thank you for joining us today. And uh, we'll get this out into the uh, community. Thank you so much. Thanks for what you do. I'm, I'm so impressed by what you're doing. As I read more and more, I'm just learning so much.